Today is Friday, June 3rd. Welcome to the eighth installment of the Injury Report. I'm your host, Joe Brenner, a medical student at the University of Toledo. I was supposed to be recording this episode in Hawaii. Uh, I don't have my mic because of that. I was planning on doing it there, but our flight got canceled and the next one out of Detroit to Hawaii was not until uh, tomorrow. So... The trip got shortened a little bit. I don't have my mic, so we'll see if that really makes a whole difference or not. And other than that, and also, you know, the NBA Finals <clears throat> have since started, and both teams are relatively healthy. We're getting down to the semifinals in the NHL, and there's a lot of health there. Football hasn't really started back up yet, so no injuries there, and baseball's got a lot of minor injuries here and there with people sitting out. So I'm going to have first guest on today, but before that, we will continue as regularly scheduled programming, and we'll start out with the NBA. Uh, the NBA, since we last spoke, the My Miami Heat fell to the Boston Celtics. They were, it was the first game that everybody really played Tyler Hero attempted to play. He didn't play a whole lot, and he didn't do a whole lot in those minutes. I don't even think he saw double-digit minutes. Uh, he, he was still dealing with that tightness in his groin, and it must have affected him enough. I think he was playing a little bit of a Trojan horse that didn't work too well. Despite everything, it came down to a final second three or a last-minute three from Jimmy Butler that didn't go in, and they also, well, we'll get to the rest of it later. Anyway, Golden State was already in, and they played last night, game one, in what used to be the Oracle Arena, and Golden State lost. They, uh, it was, they were down two at halftime. It was a pretty back-and-forth game. Nobody was playing really great except for Steph Curry. He was put the team on his back. Nobody for either team really played super well. Devin White had a good game up to that point for uh, Boston at halftime. Two-point lead. Celtics, as everybody knows, the Celtics are a third-quarter team. They come out. I think they're up 15 at halftime. If not, it was a 15-point swing. They're up 13 or 15. And then Boston, out of nowhere, the last six minutes, you know, they hung around just close enough and then just made all of their threes and ended up actually – blowing out the, not a blowout per se, but I think it was a double-digit win over the Warriors after being down 15 and third. So that is the nature of the NBA right now. If you hit your shots, you're going to win games. And Boston hit their shots late despite um, Jason Tatum not having a great game. And Al Horford stepped up. We'll get to that. Steph Curry, like I said, was the only Warrior who really had a huge impact on the game offensively. Andrew Wiggins played really well, but he's tasked a lot on defense and is not really seen as a primary scorer. Jordan Poole needs to mature quickly because as much as the experience factor is for the 
Warriors, the, the Boston players have all had tons of playoff experience, just not any finals experience. Jordan Poole is probably the most inexperienced player that should have an impact on the court. So he needs to grow up and be ready to go soon. To get into injuries, we have the NHL, the Colorado Rockies. and Oh, before, let's go back to the Boston. There was some thoughts of why play Robert Williams today when you know, if he doesn't play today, then he'll have a whole week of rest. But he played really well yesterday. Nobody looked like they were hobbling around on either side. Clay had a moment that he was kind of limping, it looked like, but he'd also just been knocked down, so he might have just had a little stinger or something. I don't think there should be any major injuries other than the Robert Williams recurrence of the knee inflammation. So if you can steal one at Golden State, it's worth it. And if he can't play next game, and there's no greater structural damage to him, you know, then it's probably worth it for the the Boston Celtics. Moving on back to the NHL, the Colorado Avalanche are now matched up with the Edmonton Oilers and are up 2-0 in that series despite losing their goalie, Quemper. And I just, I looked all over the place for video of it. I looked for a little bit more information but all I could find is upper body injury everywhere I looked upper body injury so I'm not quite sure what happened there I want you know I want to be able to try at a diagnosis if I could even find any video and I just couldn't so Edmonton doesn't have any injuries to speak of Colorado that was the only new injury for them but they lead the series 2-0 and from the buzz it sounds like it's their year. This The cup could be going to Colorado. And in the East, the New York Rangers are leading the two-time defending Tampa Bay Lightning. And Tampa Bay has, they play tonight. So they Tampa Bay has home, fe- or home ice, I guess. And they are without their center, Braden Point. He had a non-contact right knee injury when he was trying to stop. And most of the time, that's going to be an ACL injury. So trying to stop, your weight's lowered. You're going to try and pull. Your quad is going to try and pull that lower leg up. But the you know your foot gets caught in the ground, so that force pulls that lower leg forward. And that is the job of the ACL is to prevent that from happening. So the way you t- test the ACL is you bend the knee and then you pull that lower leg forward, you kind of go back and forth, and if it's too loose, that's a positive sign for an ACL injury. I've gone through that test, I've been diagnosed as positive, I've had positive signs, and it's not been positive for me. I might just have loose ligaments, who knows, but that is how they test the ACL, and that is the most common way an ACL is injured is from that that plant, that stop right there. The foot stops, the knee keeps go, or the lower leg keeps going, the knee tries to brace itself, and there goes the ACL. So that's we're hoping that's not the case for him, but it very well could be, unfortunately. And then other news in the hockey world, the Rangers, who again lead the series, are without their left wing Sammy Blaze, who he's been out for a while with an ACL, but they said he is back on the injury reserve. So he's working out with the team, and his 
coming back. I don't know if it, you know, you push it at this point when the team, team's rolling and everything, and I really don't know what Sammy Blaise's impact could be on the ice, but he is trying to return this series, and he is, I guess, available now should he be cleared. And I'm sure he wants to get back to it, especially this deep into the playoffs. Other than that, that's really the only injury talk I have for today. So now we're going to go to our injured and recovered segment. Injured, the NBA rigged Game 3 for the Boston Celtics against the Miami Heat. In the third quarter, they retroactively took away three points from a Max Struess three because they said his foot was out of bounds. And this was way much, much later in the game. Not only was it not you know, un, undeniable that his foot was on the line because it appeared to be hovering over the line. There's a very good case for that. But the only reason they went back to even look was because they thought it might be a two-pointer instead of a three. And if it was, you know, he, he's almost out of bounds, that shouldn't have even been reviewed. So in a game that came down to one shot by Jimmy Butler, it could have changed the whole game. Maybe he's more likely to go inside and try and get a bucket and a foul than take the jumper if they're up two or if it's less than a two-point game at the time. It was infuriating. I still watching the Warriors and Celtics play. I can't believe I'm watching the Celtics instead of the Heat, but it is what it is, and the NBA is rigged. Recovered Al Horford had another six three-pointer game last night for the Celtics. He is coming up with those all over the place. He's had about one a series, and in a series like this that I would probably think the Warriors are going to handle every game they can get counts, and when, especially when Jason Tatum is not playing to the level that you'd like, those, those points matter. He's He's been he's never been to the he has the most playoff games without getting to a finals so he's now here that streak is over and he is making the most of it so recovered Al Horford because he's kind of been you know looked at as kind of a nice piece but not really anything special and he got paid a lot which people shook their head and kind of chuckled about and he is making up for it now because with any contract it's always worth it if you can get a championship. Injured Brad Stevens, he last year took the position of GM for the Celtics, and since then Ime Udoka has taken over, and he seems just like a better leader. Brad Stevens might have been an X's and O's guy. He had one where he got Kyrie a shot in the playoffs a long time ago, a nice play drawn up, and he's been celebrated. He was a great coach in college, and I'm sure he's a good coach, but at this level, these are guys who know how to play basketball. You need the X's and O's to be able to – they still need to de- develop guys and all that, but you need a general, someone to lead you in a battle. I think that's what Udoka is, and it's cool to see that success from a first-year head coach. Recovered, LeBron, he's been you know, not in the playoffs, nursing himself and his ego, talking about how much every team would be- benefit – playing with him, and he doesn't have a no-trade clause, so that's on the table right now. But 
he just became the first active player to be a billionaire. So he's been evaluated as a billionaire by Forbes. That's pretty cool. Congrats to him. Injured, Toledo men's basketball is going to lose their best player, Ryan Rollins, who's a projected late first, early second round draft pick in the NBA, which is, you know, I didn't even know. I went to a game last year against the Dayton Flyers. They hosted the Dayton Flyers in the NIT earlier this year, and I really, he didn't jump off the page or the floor at me or anything. And the sophomore, I guess, is going to get a look at the NBA. He, he tested the waters, as you can do now, and he was expected to come back, but he's leaving. So Toledo men's basketball will miss him, but congrats to him. That's really cool. Recovered. Rafael Nadal beat the Joker in the French Open on clay, his home clay, and he is now in the Open Finals. So good for him. It's been a while since I've heard his name really be of any note. I know he does dominate the French Open, but Joker's always a tough matchup, and he was able to take care of him. And now the last three majors, which is kind of funny for Djokovic, are loss, deported from the Australian Open, and then another loss. So Djokovic has been without the the crown for a few matches, and he's been also in controversy for COVID. So it's always funny to see how these guys can struggle after, you know, if you're going to be a butthead sometimes, you just got to win, you know, that does a lot. But he did not, and Nadal is now looking to win the Open Final tomorrow. Injured, OBJ with his ACL, We have, he's still a free agent, which, you know, there's a lot of free agency news, especially with Tom Brady going on and off, and even the trade of Devontae Adams, the trade, you know, they're all over the place. And we still have Odell Beckham, Julio Jones, and Antonio Brown as free agents. So uh, it's tough for them. Hopefully they find spots soon. We're into OTAs. They don't have homes. A lot of these teams don't have weapons. I would, I'm would. i surprised OBJ or Julio haven't been called up by the Packers, for instance. I know my Jaguars have spent lots and lots of money on Zay Jones and Christian Kirk this offseason. They're gearing up, trying to get Trevor some weapons, which I love. But those guys are still out there. I know, again, OBJ is coming off the ACL. AB's got some problems, Julio, which it seems like he's getting old, but you never know with Alabama players because they've been around forever. You know of them earlier. So we'll see where those guys end up and if they end up somewhere. I'm skeptical about some of them, but they're still out there if anybody needs them. And recovered, New York baseball. After going the entire 2010s without a title, which is the only decade in like 60 or 70 years for the New York Yankees without a title. Both the New York Mets and the New York Yankees are the best teams in baseball. The Mets lead the NL and the Yankees, I believe, are a game better at 35 wins so far. And as far as interesting storylines go, I'm a Tigers fan, but they're not going to do anything this year. So if we got a Yankees-Mets World Series, I think that would be, you know, something to, I would remember, something pretty cool. And 
The other hot team in the NL is the Dodgers, and they're always in the mix. And an East Coast, West Coast, Dodgers, Yankees, that would also be quite memorable. So I'm not rooting for the Yankees by any stretch, and I'm not rooting for the Dodgers by any stretch. Generally, I'd like to see those teams fail. But in a sport that's drawing my attention less and less, that would be a cool storyline, either one of those two. For a new segment and my first guest, we are going to have my father, also Joe Brenner. Nostradamus is going to be the, the segment. And I'm going to ask him a series of questions and get his predi- predictions for said questions. So first, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. I am Nostradamus, as uh, Joey referred me to, and I'm excited to be here on one of his podcasts. So yeah, let's get rolling. Yeah, we were supposed to be in Hawaii, so we're doing this instead. It's a lot of fun. Yes. All right. To start off, I'm going to ask him who he thinks the finals winner will be. As we already discussed last night, Boston had a late rally to take game one, and Golden State loses home court advantage. So... So I really, truly felt that Golden State would win this in five or six, but I have been witness to as a Bucks fan, and I've seen it through your eyes as a Heat fan, the Celtics seem to be able to go on these stretches where they don't miss. And it seems to happen about one every one and a half games, two games. So I probably have switched around to the feeling that I think Boston's going to win this. I see their talent and length becoming a problem. Uh, Steph Curry's inability to play defense might come down to haunt them. But uh, at the end of the day, the thing that I am noticing the most is I don't think Clay is going to pull the magic that I thought he was going to pull. So uh, to recap, I think the Celtics are going to win in about six games. Uh, and that's where I kind of feel like I'm sitting on this thing right now. The MVP, Quite I think you got to go with uh, Jalen Brown. I think the Barstool crowd. Uh, who's that one kid that's going to have to eat the vegan, vegan stuff? For... Yeah, that's Jason Tatum. If, if Jason Tatum Oh, wins, Jason Tatum. Yes, Billy that's football. who I think. Yes, Billy Football. So you're going with Jason Tatum as the MVP? I, I do think Jason Tatum is going to end up winning the MVP. Okay, that's, that's through... Through one game, I, I still have confidence myself in the Warriors, and I think Steph's going to get his first in that regard, MV, Finals MVP. Uh, I, I'm still holding it to Warriors and six. If it goes, you know, game plus or minus, it gets a little testy after that. Uh, I, I do see, you know, but I have also been witness to the Golden or the Celtics bench. Just they have those three guys. Grant Williams, Devin White, and Peyton Pritchard that can just hurt at any moment. So I have been witness to those guys, and they've all been sent daggers in my back and yours. It's going to be a, yes. a fun series. It, it also, I, I, I originally thought that the Warriors would blow them out pretty quickly, so I'm excited that at least it'll be a good series and something I will continue to watch. Yeah, I think that the the uh, one of the most likable characters on the floor, and I think this is once again due to the fact that I am a Bucks fan and you're a Heat fan, and we've suffered defeat at the hand of the Celtics. Most of the likable characters on the floor are Golden State Warriors, but uh, uh, the players that have been playing with their lights out uh, have been the Celtics. The guys coming off the bench and just draining threes like it's like it's nothing, and I think. 
the bench from the Warriors, or excuse me, from the Celtics, reigning threes is not is crossing out what would be uh, uh, Steph's threes in a way. So you, you're looking at where where the other points are coming from. Clay, that's where Clay's got to step in, and who knows what his full health situation is like. He's shown flashes of brilliance, but he hasn't produced consistently, and uh, is high scoring the margins that we'd like to see. Yeah, and we you know earlier I talked about how. As far as the Golden State players have over 100 games between them of finals experience, and Boston has none. But this group of guys for Boston has been through a lot together. Jordan Poole is the most inexperienced player on either team, and he's the guy who, you know, with Clay might not always be hot. And like you said, Steph shot really well, and Golden State just also, or the Boston also shot really well. Jordan Poole is supposed to be that third splash brother now without KD and that's why I think they're also so likable is because we all want to see Golden State do it without KD do it with KD and then say we can still do it without KD so we will see Jordan Poole was uh to me a new person as I kind of just ramp up for pro basketball during the playoffs didn't know a whole lot about Jordan Poole who is a young Milwaukee native uh however since the playoffs have started, he really hasn't been a factor in any one series. Uh, maybe the first series a little bit. He had a couple good games right off the rip. But truthfully, he has not been the player they need him to be. And uh, uh, Wiggins is, you know, a gamer sometimes. But I just don't see, uh, I just don't see Golden State having enough to pull off this uh, this series at this point. Yeah, without Clay being Clay, we yeah, they really need. Poole and Wiggins to to step up and contribute some offense. I think the thing that I'm coming away with from this whole series too, or the whole last couple seasons, is that everybody thought the with LeBron shifting to the West, that the power has shifted to the Western Conference. But when you look, you know, you know the, the Sixers kind of fell short, but the the Sixers, the Celtics. Uh, even the Heat, maybe, and and the, definitely the Bucks. I think they, I could put those four teams up against anybody in the West and feel pretty good about any matchup being favorable for the East. So I think the East has retained that power shift back into their corner, and that's kind of why I see the East being a tougher conference. They've always been the tougher conference. The West has always been the uh, uh, the show. Uh, the East has always been for the the, the strength. And it seems like the East has uh, regained that capability of showing we can muscle ball, too. I'm going to um, not let that slight of the heat slide. They definitely belong. They've been to the finals in the last couple of years, and they were just in the Eastern Conference Finals. So uh, we're, yes. we're going to include them in that. And if yes. you're going to say any, something about anybody, it could be the Sixers. We, they well, I don't think – well, I guess what I'm saying is nobody expected the heat to be there this Yeah, they're year. just the one seed, so yeah, yeah, that makes sense. All right, moving on. Uh, we have some free agents, as we talked about. Odell Beckham, Julio Jones, and Antonio Brown are all still on the market. Now, I know you're a big-time Packers fan, and they are without their Devontae Adams, who is sorely missed already. And I was just wondering if you had any thoughts about where any of those guys would end up, and if you'd like any of them on the Packers. Uh, you know, I really would like to say that 
being with Aaron Rodgers for the last few years and Brett Favre before that, you know, I've had almost 40 years of great quarterback. It's been awesome. Uh, I lived through a few years of some lack of quarterbacking, so we have been blessed with that. And a great quarterback will make a receiver. There are tons of receivers coming out. This Christian Watson may be a great pick. He's going to need time to get pro legs under him, but I think he's got the tools. Uh, you know, Devontae coming out of Fresno State, was he a second, third round pick? Uh, you know, years have Antonio Freeman, Robert Brooks, uh, even Randall Cobb. These were not players that were highly coveted. Greg Jennings they were Greg Jennings from Central Michigan. Donald Driver. Donald Driver, yes. So, so your quarterback can, is as responsible for making a receiver as your receiver is uh, Jordy Nelson, for example, as well. We can make great receivers. We just got to get a flood the market now. Would I like Julio Jones? Yes. Do I see us getting him? Probably not. OBJ, I don't think he would fit the Packer style. Uh, if he wanted to just play ball and win, maybe, but he just won, so I don't know if his heart's going to be in it as much. I think he's an L.A. guy, and I think he wants the L.A. glitz. And Antonio Brown, uh, I think everybody's done with him, to be honest with you. I, I think he's burned his last bridge. If he can't play with Tom Brady and look at the, the gift he was given there, I don't see him really coming to the forefront of working with another quarterback in a better system, and uh, I think his days are, are done for sure. What do you think? I think that, yeah, you're, you're right on. I think, well, I think we'll see as time progresses and if the Packers don't have anybody. If, if a team is end up thinking they're competing, the Ravens, they need receivers. All these, there are good teams who need receivers. And I think once they, you know, you get to 2-2 two and two early in September, you know, or, or late <laughs> September, early October time, and you're just not producing the way you want. I think all three of those guys are, especially if Odell Beckham, he's coming off his ACL, if he can show that that's strong, uh, I think desperation is why any of these guys will be picked up. I think Julio will be the first to be picked up. Um, Odell Beckham would, again, the timing of his injury in the Super Bowl, he'd only be at six months in August. So he might not be able to even play until Thanksgiving, but when teams are not looking their hottest, I think that's when it's time to you know reach in the cookie cookie jar. Which leads you to the question is where will some of these guys end up? And then you have to look at what teams need receivers. Now, uh, do the Saints need receivers? Well, they just picked up uh, the one Ohio State kid to replace the other Ohio State kid. I well, don't he's know. coming back. Actually. Yeah, but if who knows if he'll ever be back? He's been injured for three years now, it seems. Um, but, you know, when you have a quarterback who's their quarterback situation revolves around Jameis Winston, what's the buy-in on him? If I'm a, re- if I'm a free agent receiver, high market like that, uh, do I want to go play for J- with Jameis Winston? I don't know. Do I want to go play for uh, Jackson in Baltimore? I don't know. I need a quarterback and give me the ball. He hasn't shown that he can do that. He can show that he's a quarterback, but not a, a throwing quarterback out of the pocket in a traditional sense. And that's what's going to feed some of these receivers, and they want to produce so they can get paid. So I don't see a lot of these receivers that are free agents like Jones and OBJ and maybe even DK Metcalf going to some of these teams that need them because there's a quarterback issue there that, that would keep them away potentially. But, uh, you know, as a Packer fan, like I say, I would love to have DK Metcalf, actually. I like a strong, fast guy like that. It would be awesome to replace uh, a Devontae. But... Uh, 
you know, it's it's always going to come down to who the, who that quarterback of that team is, a quarterback, coach, and I think Colin Cowherd always says you need a GM, a quarterback, and a coach. I mean, and then those are the three things you need. So. He said quarterback, coach, and weapons, and that's weapons. what these guys are. I mean, the Chiefs lost Tyree Kill, and they re- reload with Juju Smith-Schuster. The Steelers lose Juju Smith-Schuster. They could use one of these guys. I think that as far as... But there again, where's your quarterback? Mitchell Trubisky, we don't trust him to be able to throw the ball down the field past 30 yards. Well, I would say the, the Rams, would you say the Rams needed a receiver going into last year when they got picked up Odell Beckham? I would say no. I think that just a plethora of weapons is a good thing. And, of course, yes, they do have the quarterback. That can but throw the ball. you might be able to get these guys a little bit cheap on the cheap side considering that Julio's old, AB's AB, and Odell's coming off the injury. I think that if, you know, you can just attract them. Again, like you said, Odell Beckham's probably the guy who – He's going to want to be in a bigger city, but even maybe he wants to play with Justin Fields. They, you know, they need receivers and Chicago's big time market. And he's not, I mean, he played in New York. He's used to the cold. And uh, going back to New Orleans, they just picked up Jarvis Landry. He just, you know, they were just good buddies together in Cleveland. That didn't work out. Maybe they want to go back home where he went to LSU. So. And thinking, speaking of that, where do the Browns, who are their marquee receivers at this point? That was a team that was loaded offensively with two good running backs, two good tight ends in Hooper and Njoku. And now who do you have at receiver? Well, yeah, that's right. They just picked up Amari Cooper, so that leaves the Cowboys shorthanded in a receiver, though, too. So, you know, it's just a trickle-down effect. I forgot the Browns do have that one receiver in Amari Cooper. Is he enough? I don't know. So there, there are some holes for some receivers to be filled in. If you're a team like the Browns, you know, you might want to spend those free dollar, free agent dollars on those receivers because this might be your chance for a run. Your team is kind of stacked. Now, the Watson thing may cause you to have issue if you're going to lose them for eight, six, eight games right off the rip. But who knows? And I could see uh, Julio, just another thing, idea. I don't know what kind of cap hell the Bucks are in right now. I know Gronk is a free agent right now. They have some younger receivers, but... It's amazing to watch a human just that big and strong move the way he does. There isn't anybody else, even at his advanced age for a tight end, move like that. So they're without now Gronk right as of now and A.B. So maybe one of those guys, why wouldn't you want to go live in Florida and play with Tom Brady for a year, especially if it might be his last year. So maybe uh, later in the year when the Bucks are starting to try and their division is generally pretty weak recently. So maybe they can afford to go a little while, take a chance on OBJ later when his, um, you know, worth drops a little bit, and maybe that'll be how they recoup a little bit of their offensive firepower. Yep, maybe. I uh, just uh, another question that comes to my mind is how are the Raiders going to be the first six games of the season? Uh, I love Waller as a tight end. And, uh, you know, now they have Devontae, and is Carr the guy? I don't know. He's just shown... worked out Colin Kaepernick, so maybe yeah. Colin Kaepernick's the guy. <laughs> I don't think he Colin Kaepernick's anybody's guy. But uh, uh, Cower, uh, excuse me, Carr has always managed to uh, meet up with everybody's expectations and exceed them. But can he do that and get them to the next level? He has not shown that yet. He can't. He's the guy who he is so analytical he knows what everybody's going to do before the play starts. And then as soon as someone does, some, one of the defenders goes somewhere he doesn't expect. He's already, he's made the, the throw in his head before the, the play starts. Yeah, so that's where he gets into late game when he doesn't have as much time to analyze. 
he gets into late game pickles and throws interceptions and that's his weakness maybe Devonte can overcome that because he's a guy who goes and gets the ball but that's you know that's his weakness and something now he's got Renfro week or Adams and Waller all guys that can make plays for him and I think that's going to be a key for him because that's his weakness yeah we're starting to see the rise of the uh, smaller receiver the Cooper Cup the Beasleys the Renfros again that kind of remind me harken to the Steve Largent days of Seattle where you have that uh, a little third down specialist who just catches the ball over the middle and moves the chains. Um, now, obviously, Cooper Cup is an exception to that because he led the whole NFL in all types of receiving records. But uh, truthfully, I think we're seeing that there's so many receiver types out there that these free agents, which I'm wondering how the Jets' free agent situation is going to go when they just picked up Antonio. Uh, who did they pick up? Brown, the A.J. Brown? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, why is he spending so much money on receivers? There's so many of them out there. It's becoming you know? the same with running backs and linebackers. Yeah. Unfortunately for running backs, the NFL needs to change the pay structure for position. I think they need to do a pay structure by position as opposed to overall draft pick value because these running backs, they don't get a second and third contract. No, like you can most get another of the- one two years, you know, like yeah. next year. Yeah. Off the, the Jaguars replaced... After they signed Leonard Fournette to a lot of money, they replaced him with James Robinson, uh, undrafted free agent from Illinois State. Yep, and and you can get supplements, and they may not be as good, but you can definitely fill your backfield up. Unfortunately, when you're a running back and you're hammered and physically, your life's career of a, as you know, is a, of a running back is, you know, three years on the long end for most of them, and a receiver can be six, seven years. So. Uh, now the market's being flooded with receivers, so that might shorten that uh, that cap down for the receivers again. But but for a running back, you need to be able to make the money when you're productive, and you're only productive usually that first first contract, and maybe a little into that second contract. I don't think for the receivers the longevity is as much as any, I think just the the market flooding. I think it's just that you, you're not willing. I wouldn't be willing to. I don't think there's that many difference. I think there's more different. There's so many difference makers. Maybe you know they're not. I'm not saying there's not difference makers, but there's just a lot of phenomenal athletes out there. I think all three of these um, Ohio State receivers, and they have three more on the roster right now, which I'm not looking forward to seeing kick Notre Dame's butt in a couple months. But you know, all three of those guys are superstars, and they're just able to reload faster. And I think it it still just points to the fact that quarterback is the one position that doesn't see that. Just because there isn't, I mean, why would you pay Patrick Mahomes $400 million if there was another Patrick Mahomes lying around? It's because there's not. There's just not. And I think that's just going to, it continues to be the one position where the next best guy is so much worse that it's always going to be worse. And that's like Tua Tungabailoa. He's going to be projected B-plus quarterback this year. He's got an offensive-minded coach with a new toy in Tyreek Hill. If he has a good year and they're coming up on contract negotiations, do you keep him? Because there's no – the Dolphins have not had any offensive success in a long, long time. And if they're showing even a glimpse, maybe it's worth it to keep him around. Well, and you mentioned the three Ohio State kids. They could all be stars, but chances are they won't all be stars because one of them won't have a quarterback that can get them the ball. So 
it's going to come down to, yeah, is the kid who, the, the one that's going to uh, Ohio State, or excuse me, New Orleans, going to put up some ba- major stats with Jameis throwing to him or whoever's behind Jameis if Jameis gets injured? I don't know. So it's going to be interesting, but you got to have that quarterback first, and that's where you get your stars made. All right, and then uh, another question, just a yes or no here, and maybe we'll take a little explanation, but do you think that Al Horford will have another 20-point game this series? He had one dagger game against the Bucks. He had one phenomenal game against the Heat, and he has now had one against the Warriors' first game into this series. Yes, I think the Al Horford mystique is about up uh, one game per series, so I think we will not see another 20-point game. But there's a lot of Celtics that can throw 20-point games on. Williams, uh, even Pritchard can, you know, light him up for a little bit if he needs to. and get He can get you nine a quarter. I mean, I don't think he's going to do nine a quarter for a whole game. But, uh, yes, I don't think Horford's going to do an, another blowout game. But he, he, he can pick it up on the defensive end with the, those statistics and really solve their problems that way. Yes, I would agree. Yeah, he's always been a difference maker. And all three of those series that he has had a big game it's been earlier in the game I think he's just he is the tone setter for that team he's taken on you know he's the the gentleman in the room the old guy and he uh he's been a good tone setter for them that's the one they're going to leave alone you you know on offense they're going to let him go outside and shoot and if he starts hitting them then it's like oops we got a problem and that's why even when Tatum's missing he draws all that and that's why Grant Williams and Peyton Pritchard are so annoying is because they're the, going to be also the guys that are left alone and unfortunately even that make, kyle white you know he yeah can just there's too many weapons sometimes Devin white, yeah yes and so and one i didn't give you a heads up i don't know if i get, did give you a heads up on lebron james does not have a no trade clause in his contract for the first time in a long time he's been signing you know two couple year deals he wants to i think the end goal is obviously play with his son for a year uh depending on where he is in his power powers and then right off into the sunset he was just made a billionaire he has lots going on in the you know for the lakers i don't know if they'll be considered a contender next year i doubt it but if a team were interested in him and maybe the Lakers are interested in rebuilding, do you think there is any chance LeBron is traded to a place like Brooklyn this year? Uh, so LeBron James has, yes, he's on Bill, Forbes' billionaire list. Uh, he, I think he's at a point where he can play in any market and still be, with the world being global as it is now, he can be in any market and still make his money. I don't think the Lakers will trade him, though. I think he's too valuable to the L.A. franchise who've always prided themselves on having that superstar that represents L.A., and he is that guy. Now, uh, what I would rather see them do or think they should do is get rid of Davis, okay? And, uh, you know, they're married to the Westbrook thing. It might be a tough couple of years for LeBron, but maybe they sink to a point where they can draft this kid and, and, and have him there. So I don't think they're getting rid of LeBron, though. I don't either, and I, I, I would be intrigued to see KD, Ky- Kyrie, and LeBron, and I don't think that would go as smoothly as a lot of uh, teams with three big stars have gone. I think it would be a lot like the Brooklyn Nets of last year, but yeah, I also believe he's staying put. And our last question for the day, I gave you a little bit of heads up on this one, 
do you think Jimmy Garoppolo gets traded, and do you have any idea for a landing spot? Now, there's been a lot of talk of Trey Lance is so, so good, but Jimmy Garoppolo is still on the market. And again, this could be a flooding of market of average quarterbacks as we see that Baker Mayfield, or they could be in the same position in that, yeah, they wouldn't mind shopping them if they could, but at the end of the day, if Trey Lance isn't good, they'll need him, and if Baker, because they have the rest of the team, and if Deshaun Watson can't play, the Browns will need Baker. So maybe these guys, they want to get rid of him, but they have to keep him. What are your thoughts on Jimmy Garoppolo and maybe Baker Mayfield? So I feel that uh, Jimmy G is going to stay with the Niners for this next year. I wouldn't be surprised if he is their opening day starter. I think Trey Lance may have some, I don't want to say phantom injury, but something like that to keep him down just for a little while longer until they have a comfort with him. So I don't think they're going to end up trading Garoppolo, which they should have done already if they were going to because the market uh, would have been higher for his services then. Um, Baker Mayfield. Once again, if Deshaun Watson's not there, he may want to stick around for the first half of this year and try and rebuild his reputation by winning some games for the Browns. Uh, There are teams out there like the Panthers that could probably use a quarterback. I don't think the uh, kid that escapes my name now, the who? Darnold. Yeah, Sam Darnold. I don't think he's going to, he's shown that he can do it. Once again, Jameis Winston doesn't seem to be able to pull off a consistent winning season. So there are spots available, and Atlanta has Murata. Uh, is that who they're showing, throwing out there this year? Oh, uh, Mariota. Yeah, Marcus Mariota. So you you know, I, I, there's three teams. Apparently, Tom Brady's got that division sewn up already. Yeah, and, you know, when he had him, <laughs> I would come back too. Yeah, if you could be guaranteed a shot at the playoffs. So you grab uh, if you and if you can grab Odell Beckham, and you can afford to let him sit yeah, for two months, which you can. I mean, I mean, I, th- I think they're the Buccaneers are walking into the division championship. There, Packers are walking into their division championship. But we can save our predictions for for maybe ne- another podcast. But uh, yeah, there's going to be some quarterback movement still as we get in here up to these OTAs. A little analysis. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think Garoppolo stays in San Francisco. My thoughts. All right. Well, thank you, Nostradamus, for, for being my first guest. Yes. You'd want to have maybe more guests on here from yeah. time to time. But I'm always happy to was, sit here and shoot my, my, my comments out there. And it was uh, a lot of fun. Maybe I'll do it some more. And hopefully next time we will be in Hawaii. There you go. <laughs> Take care.